Hey there. If you're anything like me, you have dreams you want to make reality or goals you want to achieve. But let's face it, time is not on your side. You're busy, you're tired. And when in the world would you carve out the amount of time you would need to achieve anything above and beyond the day-to-day -day load you're already carrying? Welcome to Mom on the Fringe. I am your host, Amy Matthews Mootville. I'm a busy mom of three young children, an entrepreneur, singer, voice teacher, and lover of any old piece of furniture that needs restoration. I am here to support you, encourage you, and give you tactical tips and tools to help you find those hidden pockets of time in your busy week and use that time to your advantage. Let's get started. Hey guys, Amy here with Mom on the Fringe. I'm so excited to be back with you today talking about self-care. Now, I know this is a controversial, I don't know why, but it's a controversial topic and it's loaded. I mean, this term, I even hate bringing it up because it brings about so many different emotions, especially in the mind of a mom. And that's why I want to talk about it because I want to debunk the myth that this is a secular topic um, that is only pertaining to women who are selfish and aren't thinking about their kids and don't understand their role as a mother. This is not true. It is completely relevant to every mother on the planet and every woman. So I actually wrote a keynote on this topic, and I spoke to a MOPS group. I spoke to several MOPS groups on the topic of self-care. And I wanted to just read, I hate reading uh, scripted uh, podcast uh, episodes to you, but I wanted to read my speech to you so that I stay on track and we get as much out of it as possible in the shortest amount of time. So I'm going to do that with you today. Bear with me. I'm going to try to make it interesting, even if it is partially scripted, and um, just open up this conversation. I don't claim to be a self-care expert, but I do find it to be necessary. And I have had my own journey with self-care and sort of figuring it out. And I want to open up that conversation with you. <clears throat> it is a loaded topic with a lot of layers to peel back. So I hope we can just scratch the surface and really start thinking about it and how we can understand self-care and make it a part of our everyday lives. So my struggle in incorporating self-care has been really apparent to those around me. And a lot of my friends have actually even laughed at me at times because I really struggle in the department of taking care of myself. I am an all or nothing girl. And for me, my needs just aren't that important when it comes to everyday life. I've allowed myself many times to just get completely off track and wondering who the heck I was as I have raised my three kids, and they're still little, by the way, so it's continually a topic. Before my firstborn, 
I was very much a career-oriented person. And I trained for over 10 years, both here and in Europe, as an opera singer and performed extensively in German-speaking countries. I didn't get married until I was almost 30. And when we moved back to the States and settled here in Austin, Texas, I opened up a voice studio and obtained my master's degree in vocal performance while doing research about the voice and singing with a Grammy-winning choral group. And I loved it. All of it. By the time I had given birth to my son at the age of 34, I had traveled all over the world and enjoyed my time doing whatever it was that I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. So when my friends would tell me, hey, Amy, you need a break. You need to come with us. You need to go have a pedicure. I would just ignore them. (laughs) And I would sometimes resent that they wanted to pull me away from my precious baby After all, I had already had a break. My whole life up until that point was a break. I had done what I wanted to do. But after my second baby came along, I was exhausted and depleted. And I found myself not knowing who I was anymore. I had pretty much stopped singing altogether. And although I had continued to teach, I wasn't finding time to do much of anything else that I had done previously to having my kids. And because money was always tight and we didn't live close to any family members or close friends we could rely upon, I wasn't getting any breaks ever. And I wasn't asking for them. And then one day, right around that time, one of my students' moms referred me to a book or told me about a book called The Mother's Guide to self-renewal, written actually by a local author here in Austin by the name of Renee Peterson Trudeau. Not only was this a book, but it was also a program that was facilitated by people in groups. So you would actually get a facilitator certificate certification, and you could go out and start groups where people would come together and you could talk about this whole idea of self-renewal. So I immediately started inhaling this book, and it was like fresh air to me. I was reading things that made me just stop and breathe and feel like I wasn't alone. And I guess this was around 2012, and what I quickly realized is that nobody was talking about this topic in my circles. And especially not in the Christian sphere that I tended to be a part of. I was also a member of a meetup group for moms. And we were a German-speaking meetup group because I speak German. And even in that group, no one was talking about things that were directly, at least, referring to the idea of taking care of yourself. So after finishing this book, I decided that the information was so life-transforming that I, too, needed to become a facilitator for this book and lead other women to a better understanding of this material because it helped me so much. Now, before you begin to write down the title and go purchase the book, which I would totally say go do, I'll just give you the main points of this book. And because it's basically 
written as a 12-month workbook that you go through. And I'll tell you just a little bit about how this content helped me, but also how, for me personally, it ended in sort of an unhealthy, self-centered twist. Okay? So month one was reconnecting with the person you were before you had kids and who you are now. And I think this is an extremely helpful practice. But some someone like me, who takes things very literal, could spend hours on this lamenting what I had accomplished before and started and wishing I was back to doing the things like seeing the world and getting public accolades instead of changing diapers and cleaning up throw up and consoling a screaming baby. So that already was should have been a little bit of a red flag for me. And then month two was learning and practicing life skills that would help you grow and be nurtured physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And she goes on to help you, you know, reconnect with yourself by journaling, praying, meditating, and seeking support or getting closer to nature to identify and to practice these skills. Also so good, right? I mean, you're probably perking up as you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's so great. But my problem was when, when would I do all of this, right? Month three was creating a support system or a tribe that can rally around you in times of need. I found this to be a really great practice and it personally encouraged me to reach out to people and actually ask for help. Month four was managing your energy, setting priorities, saying no, and again, asking for help. Month five was practicing good is good enough and not holding yourself up to unrealistic expectations placed on you by yourself or by others. And I'll just briefly go through the rest of the months. Month six, owning your personal power. Month seven, unleashing your creativity. Month eight, reclaiming adventure in your life. Month nine, staying connected in your relationships. Month 10, motherhood as a spiritual journey. Month 11, strategies for maintaining balance. (laughs) What's that? Month 12, being present and realizing what really matters. Now, I'm rushing through that because I have a few things to say. And by the way, I loved this book and still do. So I'm not going against necessarily the book itself when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. But I will tell you, I was so turned on by these messages And it spoke to me and resonated with me at a time when I was really drained and depleted and probably even depressed and needed someone, someone out there to give me permission to put myself first again. It sounds so good, right? And if you're nodding your head saying, yes, I need permission to put myself first, you are not alone and you are not judged for feeling that way by by me or hopefully by anyone. And I still look through this book, by the way, and love the pages of wonderful wisdom 
But here's where I became personally convicted. I am a very literal person. If you tell me something, I will take it all the way to the extreme. And what happened was, instead of things being about my sweet family that I had prayed for for years and was so grateful to have, everything started to focus and center around me and my sanity. I mean, I took this message and I ran with it, guys. And an hour a day to unpeel all the layers was never enough. Because of my creative nature, I needed more and more and more time. And soon, my requests for me time turned into demands that I was entitled to receive all the time. I was becoming more of who I was before having children. I was finding my creativity again. I was learning how to ask for support, but I wasn't filling my cup like I thought I would because it became this insatiable need that was never enough. I was growing further away from my kids and my husband in the process. And if you can imagine, my husband, is very patient, <laughs> but he also was feeling really drained by my demands. Instead of being able to incorporate this balance that the book spoke about, I quickly became the most self-centered person on the planet. And me time became a raging mantra that I put on all my doors and screamed from the top of my lungs because let's face it, it wasn't happening the way it was supposed to. <laughs> I was placing my kids in front of the television and hiring sitters I couldn't afford and shoving the kids off to my husband too often in order to take care of me. Me, me, me. And the more time I accumulated away from my kids, the more time I needed away. Obviously, I didn't realize all this when it was happening, I can only see this now in retrospect, but God took this all and continued to guide me. Somewhere along the way, in the midst of this, a good friend of mine from back home, whose mom actually was my sweet, sweet mentor and discipled me through my young adult years, her daughter sent me a little message on Facebook. And she had seen maybe something that I posted on Facebook about how exhausted I was and needed a break. And she recommended this little ebook called Loving the Little Years. And I'll post that also in my show notes. Now, if you haven't read this book, it's a very quick daily read from the perspective of a homeschooling mother of, I think, five and she shares her perspective on how God has shaped and changed her parenting. And in her short chapter called Me Time, she discusses how it is so easy to let ourselves get swept away 
by the concept that we are to separate ourselves and our identities from the ones God has placed in our lives. And friends, that's where self-care gets a little bit blurry and where we get in trouble. When we're married, she says, we become one. When we have children, they become a crucial part of us. And she goes on to talk about the fact that she doesn't deny that we all need a break from time to time. But she also says that our bodies are to be used and maintained as tools, not treasures that we reserve and preserve back to our former selves. She also says this, the world has a very muddled perception of self that we are separate entities from our families and that we should go off somewhere and get to know ourselves again. I mean, I don't even want to count how many times I've heard the word reclaim your identity. There's so much talk about needing to find myself in our lives that marriages break up and children are oftentimes neglected. And by the way, this is where I strongly, personally, I'm speaking from my own heart right now when I talk. This is where I personally disagree with this dream big gospel that we're all hearing in books like Girl, Wash Your Face. I loved it. I I read the book. I love what she has to say many times, but this is where it goes too far for me and maybe for you too. Because the Christian view of self is very different, friends. We are like characters in a story. Our essential self is not back in the intro waiting to be rediscovered. Who you are is where you are. If you're exhausted and don't know who you are, what you need, she says in this book, in Loving the Little Years, is not necessarily me time, but what you need are your people. Your family, your children, your husband aren't people you need a respite from. They're yours. God's given them to you. Let that sink in. If you want to know yourself, get to know them. Those women who are trying to find themselves by stripping away the others in their lives will find that they are very broken. This will lead them to resent the people who they think made them that way. I used to be so energetic, but all these people just take, take, take from me. And now I have no time to just be me. Sound familiar? (laughs) And the world gathers around her and comforts her and says she needs to follow her dreams. Do you see the trick in this message, guys? She goes on to say that 
our identity is first to be found in Christ and then in the people that he has given us. Our children reorient us. They reorient our worlds as we find out the second we look at that pregnancy stick, our world changes. But remember that this is your calling. It belongs to you and they belong to you. And yes, you're going to need some quality me time. So use that. Go make a date with your husband or go take an hour and, and, and take a hot bubble bath. Do that. You can also rejuvenate by just doing something special with your children. These people are you. Your identity is supposed to be intertwined. That is why and that is the way God wrote this story. And that is the way he intends us to read it. This weekend, a really good example of this was my kids wanted to make slime. And I didn't want to make slime. I was like, oh, I hate slime, guys. I hate it. But I said, okay, let's do it. So we made slime together and we had so much fun. And they enjoyed it. They weren't fighting. Well, they fought a little bit. But it was great. They enjoyed it. And we had time together and we laughed and we talked and I found out some stuff that I didn't know about them when we were making the slime. I didn't know that their friend had said certain thing on the playground and certain things came out because we were just spending time together. And also when we're just together creating, you know, whether we're painting a picture on a piece of paper or drawing something or, um, just spending time doing something creative, that's when I feel like we're the closest. And those are sometimes what I need to fill my cup. It's not running off somewhere with a friend. It is sometimes just being in their presence. So that's the comparison of two books that came around at the same time in my life. Isn't that interesting? And the difference between these two resources is really astounding. And I don't think it was an accident that God led me to both of them when he did. And I don't necessarily think that either resource is right or wrong, 100%. It's really a matter of how I personally perceive all of this and apply it to my life. Now, somewhere along those lines, not too long after all of this, I was, I went to the gym to work out and uh, was leaving our community center when I saw a flyer hanging up on one of our bulletin boards that had a MOPS meeting uh, that was meeting at the community center. And I took a picture or wrote it down what time it met. And it was actually that, that evening. And I remember going home and told my husband that I needed to go that night. I needed to go and check this out. And I don't remember much about it, but um, I remember it was a really hard day. <laughs> and I was really worn out from these two little boys that I had at the time, three and one, ages three and one. And I don't even think I had showered by the time I needed to leave. And I just threw on some halfway decent clothes and a little mascara and I brushed my teeth and... I drove to this MOPS meeting. I mean, I bet you there are still tire tracks in my 
cul-de-sac because I sped out of there so quickly. I was just tired. I was at the end of my rope. And I got there and immediately people were greeting me and coming up to me and didn't care what I looked like and inviting me to come sit at their table and get a plate to eat. And I just remember just feeling like crying at that moment because I needed the break so badly. I hadn't had a warm plate of food for over three years. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I had gotten a, a plate of food and sat down and I was fed that night in a different way than I'd ever been fed before. I don't even remember what the speaker was talking about or what she said, but it filled my cup and helped me go home and see my family and my, my role as a mother in a whole new light. And I get really emotional about this because over the course of the next few weeks after I went to that MOPS meeting, I would build upon these friendships who I still keep in touch with to this day. And just a few short weeks after joining MOPS, my oldest son woke up one morning on a Saturday morning and started having a grand mal seizure. And his little body was just flailing all over the place and twitching. And we had to call the ambulance and have them take us down to our children's hospital, Dell Children's. And I cannot tell you how scary that time was, but I was so encouraged by these women that I had just met in my MOPS group. Not only that, but a, a, another good friend of mine from my German group came and got my youngest son and took him home and um, gave him a place to sleep for a couple nights until my sister got in town and was able to take him back to our house and watch him. And we ended up being down at the hospital for a good four days, I believe. Uh, MRI after MRI and spinal taps and the whole thing. Just trying to figure out what was wrong with my son. Now, if you've never experienced something like this, count your blessings. But Because when they're little um, and they have all these things going on, they have to put them under anesthesia in order to give them an MRI. And it usually takes around an hour, an hour and a half before everything's done and the procedure is done. And they wake up very sad and, and crying from, from just the drugs. And um, he had to go through this several times. And this particular time was taking longer um, because the machine accidentally turned off and reset. And I had this amazing friend, Julie from Mops, who was, who just volunteered herself to come and sit with me and pray over him. And she was still nursing her little baby girl. And I'll just never forget these times. So you could say that all that work that I was doing on self-care around that time went right out the window when this happened with my son. I had been doing a low-carb diet and watching my macros up until then and had lost some weight that I had been trying to get off. 
I had eventually found my rhythm in my daily quiet time and my creative juices were flowing again and the blog was happening and all of that went because while I realized that something desperately needed to change, my reliance on God and the outpouring of support from servant-hearted women who barely knew me trumped everything else. And I all of a sudden saw things through a brand new lens. Over the course of the next two years, after my son ended up in the hospital, we went back and forth to different hospitals and specialists in order to try and find out what was going on. And you know what? We never got any real clear answers. During that whole time, guys, we had my mops friends and our church and family praying for us and with us and helping out whenever they could. And you know, my son eventually got the green light to go off all the meds and we stopped seeking out testing and treatments. It's been well over six years now and he's developed into a healthy 10-year-old boy and has never ever had another seizure since. And I share all of that to hopefully not bore you with the unnecessary details of my life, but to tell you how intricately God works in the details of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And while my goal here is to start a conversation about practicing self-care on a more practical level with you, it is also my goal to point you to Jesus who is the ultimate form of self-care. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In John 7.27, it says, If anyone has thirst, let him or her come to me and drink. In Matthew 11.28, it says, Come to me, All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, there are so many resources out there that will tell you how to practice self-care practically and even spiritually without being centered on the one, the only one, who can truly fill your cup. And I'm not saying that we don't need tangible, practical ways we can care for our bodies and minds. Absolutely not. Sure, we need exercise. Sure, we need to eat healthy foods. And some of us have dietary needs that we need to take care of. And like I do, you're going to need time away to regroup. And I encourage each and every one of you to find a way to do that regularly. But I'd also be doing you a disservice if I didn't encourage you to first and foremost seek Jesus. Now, coming up on the next episode, I do want to get into some practical tips for self-care. I do think it's important that we as women have strategies and routines built in our day that we can take care of ourselves. And I honestly 
have had to come to terms with the fact that it's not a bad thing to practice self-care. But I believe, and I think the whole premise around this podcast and my blog, is that we can do it within a framework that doesn't take away from the people in our lives that we care the most about. Self-care can never trump caring over our families. And I think that's a delicate dance, don't you? I think it's something we have to really work through and balance in our lives. I think if we go too far to one extreme or the other of practicing self-care so much that, like me, several years ago, we start demanding our me time. Or the other end of the spectrum, which I've also been through, is where I'm not taking any time for me at all. I'm kind of extreme that way, and I hope you're not. (laughs) I hope you're someone that has a little more grasp on balancing that out for yourself. But if you don't, and you're struggling too with where this all fits in, and you're getting mixed messages, you know, you're reading books that say one thing, and then you're going back to the Bible, and you're feeling like you're convicted because this can't be the way it should be, right? Then I want to just lay out some practical guidelines. So we're going to do that in the next episode, and I hope you'll stay tuned. I'm going to actually include a worksheet that you can go through. And I really want to just dive into this, and I want to get feedback from you on how it's going. So please check in with me and let me know what your thoughts are. I really look forward to hearing from you. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this podcast episode. It means so much for me. And please don't forget to leave a review. Till next time. Bye-bye.